You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church. If you would like to find out more information about us, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. I want to introduce you, uh, y'all, to Kirk Flanagan again. He's been with us many times uh, with Withcliffe Ministries, one of our partners. And we told you last week, last couple weeks, that this, this Sunday, uh, we are... are dedicating, devoting, or giving, whatever language you want to use, the entirety of our offering today to a new project, which we are partnering with them uh, with, to uh, just provide God's word to a, a people group that does not, does not have it. And so, um, so Kirk's going to share just briefly with us this morning about what's going on. Uh, this is our fifth year doing this with them, and so we're excited to have him. So you can, he's got a table out front, love to chat with him, hear about some of the updated projects uh, that's going on. But uh, here's Kirk, and here's your mic. There you go, buddy. Good morning, CBC Church. Wow. I love this Sunday because every year at the fall of this year, it's a different day, a different number day, but I love being here with you. And part of the reason that I love being here with you is because as my role as being an advocate for the Bibleist with Wycliffe is that we get to partner with one another and really have e- eternal significance. And here's why. Look at this verse in uh, Psalms. Psalms, uh, I can't read it from there, so I'm glad I brought my notes because I didn't memorize it. But the Psal- Psalms in 86 verse 9, it says, all the nations you have, have, <clears throat> have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. Now think about that for a second, all the nations. Well, if all the nations do not have the scripture, they don't have the gospel, then that that can't come about. Now the Lord could use a hundred different ways to bring that about, but right now he's using us, the body of Christ, to bring that about. So as we partner together, we can be part of having this prophecy fulfilled. And it also says that in Revelation chapter seven, verse nine, that every nation, every tribe, and every language will be represented before the throne. Well, this morning's definitely a different Sunday, no doubt, and it's not because of COVID, it's not because of the political environment, it's not even because the Masters being played in November, how crazy is that? Go web, by the way, go web. But it's different because, you know what, let me come back to that. I wanna first tell you about kind of step back for a second and talk to you about the three different language groups that you've already sponsored and partnered with. First was the Basoto language, and they were, they're located in Asia. You would, re, rep, you would recognize the location immediately if I mentioned it to you. There's over six, 600,000 people in the Basoto language, and look what the translators have done in just the last few years. 95% of the New Testament, 10 books of the Old Testament. And they're not just doing the work, they're not just translating the scriptures, they're using it. They're they're planting churches, they're making disciples. And the same thing can be true of the Uda people, also in Asia, where they've done 10 books of the Old Testament and two of the New. Last year, we partnered together with the Tinger people. Very, very sensitive group, not located in Asia, but in Eurasia. And we actually met the translators just this past March. The staff, I brought the translator here and we met him, talked to him, heard his story, a remarkable story of salvation. 
And Mike, the translator, is working every day. As a matter of fact, he works late into the evening, one, two o'clock in the morning, putting new scripture on the Facebook page for the Tinger people. And you know, during this time of COVID, he has seen a remarkable number of people come to that website and make comments on the website, where previously, before COVID, he was getting actually a lot of threats. But now, Mike is putting out a message of hope, the hope of the gospel, and he's, he's seeing a remarkable uh, response from the gospel, which is really cool. Well, the, the thing that I mentioned that's different this year is that, well, I, actually, let me mention the, the two pictures. The top picture is the Basoto people. These are women that are taking a rest after working in the field. They're farmers. They love the color blue, as you can see. And uh, also, the, the bottom picture is the Tinger people. They also like blue, but uh, that's just a couple ladies in the market. But the one thing I wanted to mention in closing that's different this year is that we're going to be partnering with you guys for the Tarbis cluster. And instead of having one language that we're going to partner together, we're going to have five. Now, three of the five have already been working together, developing the scriptures but two of the languages are brand new. They don't have anything, nothing. So as you partner with us together, as you pray and give, we're gonna be impacting five different language communities. And I wanna tell you how the Lord's been working. Already, one of the language groups are using the scriptures, get this, in a very sensitive area in the public school system. The Holy Spirit's working. And I just, as closing, I just want to say thank you so much for your partnership with us. And please grab one of the prayer cards as you leave today. Thanks so much. All right, you guys have a Bible. Go ahead and turn to 1 John. If you're a guest with us this morning, one of the things we do is that we work through books of the Bible, typically. And you came on the last day of a book, so you get kind of the summary uh, recap, so you can go back online if you're like, what is he, what is he talking about? You just have to go back and listen. This is week 14. Next week, we're gonna celebrate baptisms together. We're excited about that. We're gonna do, uh, actually, baptism and the Lord's table next week. We're gonna kind of combine it. We haven't been able to do baptisms this year because of COVID, and we're doing it next week. So, uh, it wa- see, water washes away sins and it washes COVID. Neither is true, by the way. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but we're gonna celebrate next week. Uh, and then we'll start Advent after that, and then we're going to a new book in the new year, and I ain't telling you what it is because I'm going to keep you in suspense. But we're in f- finishing up First John chapter 5 uh, today. And, and, w- and what we've seen in this book is that John has been reminding people uh, of truth because there's some folks that have left the church, and he's trying to remind them that what they believe is true, what they are remaining in is true. And so we've seen statements like, that you may know, and this is how you know, and uh, by this you know, constantly through the book, all right? Uh, because he's, inter- he's just reminding them of the truth that he ingrained when he was with them. Today, he's not going to introduce any new truth, per se, there's not a one more that you may know. There's not a, a new topic. He, he really is going to recap big time, like three big picture ideas from the book, kind of big three summary things. And then he's going to give us one of the great mic drops of all the Bible. I was going to do it today, but I was like, man, these mics are like $700, so I ain't going to drop a mic, okay? Um, but, so pretend, all right, mic drop. He's going to summarize and then just out of nowhere, and it just kind of nowhere, just boom. And you're like, whoa, 
Where did that come from? Because that's not who he was. That's not who he's been the entire time, right? This kind of ominous, cryptic warning at the end. What do you expect? Because John talks about love more than any other guy, right? He's been love, 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 the whole time. What you expect is, love y'all. See you later. Uh, can't wait to be with you. Thankful for you. You know, even Paul, who's not Mr. Mr. Lovey-dovey, at least he says goodbye. Here's John. Remember this, remember this, remember this. Boom. See ya. Out. And that's where he ends. Right? You try that this week. Just having a normal conversation with somebody. Right? You're talking. Uh, yeah, it's been great to see you. And oh man, I'm so thankful. And what are you all plans for Thanksgiving? And oh good. And as they're leaving, just be like, sleep with your lights on. And just walk away. And see her, they're like, what does that mean? You're writing your Christmas letters, right? Or, you know, all, the, all, the, all the ladies, you know, you're recapping your year. And oh, Bobby's a sophomore at Georgia. And, and little Jenny's doing cartwheels and gymnastics. And oh, and Max the dog still love milk bones. And, and Tom has a new job and he's blah, 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 blah. And just at the end of that, just anything cryptic. Like the enemy of the enemy, of my enemy is my friend. And just leave it there and let it hang. Love the Fowlers, right? And just see what happens. People will be like, what does that mean? That's, that's what he does here. It seems so odd and out of place. Some say it doesn't even fit, but I'm, I'm here to tell you it does. And there's a reason he does it, because he wants it to linger. He wants it to stand out so you don't miss it. Because really, I think this is the application of the book. I mean, there's been multiple applications, but I think this is the point. So what is that mic drop statement? That's what we're going to talk about today as we close out this series, all right? So let me read our text, just four little verses. And, and again, we're going to be reminded of some things, and then we're going to focus in on this last statement. Verse 18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know... That the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And here it is. Ready? Little children, keep yourself from idols. Boom. Right? Three reminders. Each reminder is introduced with the same phrase, right? Repetition matters. When you see repetition in the Bible, you should underline and highlight it. The three reminders are we know. We know. You see all three? We know. He's not introducing a new topic. I've already covered this. Okay? This is just kind of summary at the end. This is cliff notes. This is we know, we know, we know. Right? Let me give you the three reminders because I think there is significance to them. And then we'll look at this mic drop statement. Verse 18. We know everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who is born of God protects him and the evil one does not touch him. We covered this in chapter two and chapter three. The idea is this. When you meet Jesus, your life has to change. If your life hasn't changed, you haven't met Jesus. We covered this, all right, multiple times. Go back and listen to any sermon from chapter two or chapter three. We've covered this, chapter one even. When you meet Jesus, there's, sometimes it's two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes it's slow. Sometimes it's a sprint. But there is a distinction. Why? Because his spirit is now in us. The anointing is now in us, as he calls it. Right? You have become new. And, here, and here's, here's why. Right? You, you, you cannot keep on sinning. And it's not that you don't sin. You're going to be perfect. That's not the point. It says your life has been changed. There's not perfection, but there has been progress. But he says, because he who is born of God protects him. 
He who was born of God protects him. God protects his own. God seals his own. And here's the first reminder for us. In God, we have security. There is security in God. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We have his spirit, his anointing, and we all know all these things, right? We know this. We've looked at this. We're reminded of this. Verse 19. And we know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. That we are what? From God. That there is a distinction between us and the world. The world lies in the power of the evil one. This is chapter two. Go back and listen to it. There's a spirit of Christ and then there's a spirit of antichrist. Antichrist, not just the big A antichrist that comes at the end. Those who are opposed to Jesus, those who try to replace Jesus, that's the spirit of this world. Everything out there right now is that. It may seem innocent, but it's not. It's of the spirit of this world. There is a underlying current, is there demonic influence, whether it's the news, the worldview, the culture, whatever. And he says, we are not that. And that's just why he says, do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that is in the world, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, the boastful pride of life, not from the Father, from the world. All that to say, what is he saying? What is he reminding us? That we in God have a new identity. There's a difference. We are, have a new family. We have a new father. We have a new, uh, new heart, a new mind. We are new, a new future, right? We're not of this world. So there is security. There is a new identity in verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. He says, God has given us a new understanding. The word means insider, a new mind, a new reasoning. And why has he given it to us? He tells us, so that we may know Jesus, him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. He, Jesus, is the true God in eternal life. By the way, if you ever hear someone say, well, the Bible never says Jesus is God, take him to this verse. He is the true God. Okay, so that, that whole like, oh, Jesus never claimed to be God. His followers never, no, he claimed to be God. He is God. But here's the point. God has given us security and a new identity and he's given us a new purpose to know him, to know the one true God. That's, that's what he has given us, right? Three things, write them down, write them in the you know, kind of notes of your Bible or whatever, your phone, whatever you're taking notes. He's given us security, a new identity, and purpose. He wants us to remember that. He's covered it, but he wants us to remember that. Why? Because we're going to link back to it. And then he gives the mic drop statement. Little children, those I love, those I care about, keep yourself from idols. All right? Keep yourself from idols. And, and let's unpack this a little bit because we're going to sit here for a little bit. All right, this is an intense command. It's intense by the way he leaves it, just hanging at the end. It's intense uh, because of the tense that it's in in the original language. It's meant to be something that do it and do it now. Don't wait, don't hesitate. It's serious, right? Get on board with this. This is a big deal. It's an intense word. The word keep, some translations say guard. That's probably a more accurate idea here. It's, It's a military term, by the way. To all the veterans, thank you for keeping us and guarding us. Uh, but th- it's a military idea. I guard, I stand a post, I keep something. And why do I keep something? Because something is assaulting. I don't need a guard if something is not under attack. And, and, and who's responsible for guarding? You are. Guard, keep yourself. And what are you guarding? You are 
are guarding you, right? Keep yourself, you keep yourself from idols because there's a constant assault. There, there is some, there's a new member of our family, Maisie, the puppy, who is learning from her, her older demonic dog brother, uh, Milton. She eats everything. I mean, it is unbelievable this dog, what this dog has eaten. I am amazed that she is alive. I mean, everything. Corn cob, nothing to her. A whole corn cob. Uh, a six pack of whatchamacallit. They say chocolate is poison to dogs. No, it's not. She loves it. It's great for her. She's eaten more loaves of bread in six months than I've eaten in my entire life. She's learned how to open the trash can. I put a safety catch on it, a baby catch. She's learned to get in it. I don't know how. Never been to high school, right? Can get in it. She's eating coffee. She's eating detox tea, an entire cake, batches of cookies, cereal boxes, shoes. You name it, she's eating it. And so now we are constantly on guard. We cannot put any, leave any food on any counter anywhere. We have more stuff on the top of our refrigerator. It looks like Santa's, you know, workshop up there. It's just a thousand things up there. It's the only place. She'll probably figure out how to climb a ladder soon. I don't know. But we're constantly keeping guard. And that is the idea of this command. There is an assault. It is sneaky. It is out there. Keep yourself. You are responsible from idols. And, and just that, I want to talk about that. I want to unpack that because what does that mean? Three questions I want to answer. I want to answer what, how, why. And actually, I want to do it in the order of what, why, how. Right? Because this is important for us. This is the application of the book. This is where he lands. This is where he wants us to linger. So when he says, what, keep yourself from idols, what is he talking about? What is an idol? Right? What is an idol? Some of us think idol, we think little statues. That is true. And their culture, idols everywhere. In fact, in the city of Ephesus where they're at, one of the eighth wonders of the world, the temple of Artemis is there. You can go to it today and see its ruins, right? And these people grew up in a culture where there's a God for everything, a God for war, a God for beauty, a God for business, a God for sex, a God for everything, right? They, many of them grew up going to the temple of Artemis. They, that was the VBS they went to in the summer, you know, Artemis Bible School, Right? So this, they get idols, they go to the market and there'd be little God figurines everywhere. You could go buy it and put it on your mantle and pray to it. And so there's, in a sense, if you ask John, John, are you talking about don't go to the temple of Artemis? He's gonna say, yeah, that's not a good idea. But that's not the real heart of the issue. The heart of the issue is that me and you were created in the image of God as worshipers and in worshiping is in our DNA, our lives, we were created for our lives to orbit ourselves around the one true God. That's why we're created, to worship God and enjoy him forever. But our first parents, Adam and Eve, fell. And since they fell and sin entered into creation, now there is a pull away from the one true God. And Romans 1 says that we worship the creation rather than the creator who is blessed. And when we do that, God gives us over to all sorts of depraved stuff, which is what we see in our culture, because we have denied there is a God and we have worshiped the creation. And so people have lost their minds because God has given them over to these things. But that was not the intent. We're designed to orbit around God. We're designed to worship God. But when, we, when that was broken, we didn't just kind of float out into space and now there's nothing. We will find something to orbit our lives around because we are worshipers. 
created the worship, so we will find something to cast our affections on. And you know what we look for? We look for things that give us security, identity, and purpose. All three things that we have in God, all three things that John reminded us we have in him, right? That's, that's why he brings them up. Even the gods of this first century that he's writing to, all they are is manifestations of what is in our heart. The God of beauty. Is that a God for us in this culture? Mm-hmm. Right? The God of relationships or passion. They had a God for that. Her name was Aphrodite. You want to worship at that? You want to find your identity in beauty? You go up and worship old Aphrodite. What about conquest and winning and success? Is that a God in our culture? They had a God, his name was Ares. That was his area. God of wealth, economy, market. They had a God, Plutus. They even had a party God, Bacchus. You wanna go party? Go party at Bacchus's temple. Those are just manifestations for that culture that are still here for us, right? Because all an idol is, here it is. All an idol is, is anything other than the God of the universe who you were created to worship and enjoy. Anything that you go seek, identity, security, or purpose in, right? That's it. And idols are typically good things that we have made the greatest thing. That's what they are. Because it's, 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 not subtle. Satan's going to be more subtle than just go bow down at, at his altar. He wants you to take good things that God has given and make them the ultimate thing. And the key to worship and the key to idolatry is that you will sacrifice to your God and you will sacrifice for your God. You will bend the knee and serve your God. You will become a slave to your God. You will try to validate it. You will build an apologetic system around that which you worship. You will feed it. You will justify it. You will serve it. That's the way it works. Why do you think we're called bond slaves, the servants of the living God, right? That's what Paul says. Here's how it works. Let me, let me kind of demonstrate it to you so that we can all feel guilty and, and happy. All right, let me let's just pick on a couple idols that I think are common in our culture. Money. Is that an idol in our culture? Absolutely. Is money evil? Absolutely not. We're, Lord willing, going to spend a lot of money today and do a lot of good for the kingdom of God. Money in itself is not evil, all right? Money can be used for very good things. But if you make it your goal and your purpose, okay, remember we're looking for identity, security, comfort, a purpose. If your purpose is you're a 23-year-old dude and you're like, I'm going to be a millionaire by the time I am 30, that is my purpose, that is a, a purpose that you've set about and you're gonna do whatever it takes. You know what? You're gonna sacrifice to get that and you're gonna sacrifice for it. It means you're gonna sacrifice probably being at church on Sunday with a bunch of other believers because you're working 70, 80, 90 hours a week. You're gonna sacrifice your health because you're gonna be at the office 90 hours. You're not gonna be sleeping well. You're gonna be eating fast food all the time because this is what I'm about. You're gonna sacrifice your family if you even have one because instead of watching T-ball or coaching your kids, you're gonna be on your iPhone checking stocks and this. So you're gonna get that maybe but you will sacrifice to get it because that's what you do and you will become a slave to it, right? How about relationships? Some of us can't, I have to be married by the time I'm 26. I have to be in dating someone. I have to be, I have to be. Why? Because you find identity or comfort in not being alone. Gotta, gotta, or there's expectation from mom and dad. I have to be, I have to be. They wanna be grandparents. I have to, right? It's an approval, God. 
So what you will do is if you have to have that relationship, if that dude expects you to do things that are against your, to violate your conscience and your morality, but you don't want to be alone, so you will sacrifice your morality to keep that relationship because I find identity there and security there, and you have sacrificed to that God. And you may keep it, but you have worshiped it and you have sacrificed to it, right? And it will cost you. That's how it works. Sports. Sports make a lousy God. And you know why I know that? Because half y'all on an average Sunday come in here depressed. Now you're all happy today because Georgia didn't flag and it's thus they didn't lose. But normally, I can see who's, who's worshiping at the altar of uh, Athens uh, every week. I mean, if you think sports are not a God, just go up to Atlanta and look at the Mercedes-Benz temple. Has anything as impressive as that? Billions of dollars. And you, what do people do when they go in there? They sing to their God. They dress like their God. And they throw money, $15 for a beer, at their God. Right? And $47 to park. And to see the Falcons blow it again. <laughs> Tell me it's not a God. Right? I realized I had a problem with sports as my idol back in, it was 1990, I still remember it, 1997. Ron, you'll remember this game. It was a Monday night football game, Dallas Cowboys, Philadelphia Eagles. The good versus the evil. And we were losing, but Ty Detmer, our lousy quarterback, but whatever, he drove us down the field to the one-yard line with one second on the clock. All we got to do is kick a field goal. We're down by one. We win the game, piece of cake. Except they gotta, you got to hike the snap. You got to catch it. Our, our holder fumbles the snap, game over, lose by one. And I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat, I was mad for a week. And I realized, I have a problem. I sacrificed in my health. By the way, both teams ended up like at six and 10 last year, like anyone even cared, right? How silly. But it, I was sacrificing sleep and my mental health for a game. Some of you are doing the same. For your kids, sports. I love kids sports. My daughter played travel volleyball and played college volleyball. I love watching my kids play baseball and football. All these things. I love it. But if your identity is your kid's going to be the offensive tackle for Georgia, he's not. 1% of high school athletes play college sports. 1%. And out of that, go to the, go Division One. it's even less. And by the way, out of that 1%, you know how many make the NFL? There's only 53 people on a team in the NFL with 32 teams. You do the math. And Tom Brady's been like playing for 75 years. It doesn't look like he's going to retire. So I'm just telling you, the odds are slim to none. So enjoy sports, go play sports, have fun with them. But if you're never in church because of sports, you never can afford to do anything because you're throwing thousands of dollars at it. Don't tell me it ain't God. Right? Don't tell me it ain't God. Enjoy it. Be family time with it, but it's, it could be a bad God. Image. I mean, social media drives me nuts, y'all. You said, oh, like, oh, look at this, like, 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 like. Have you ever seen how these the younger folks, you, you know, we put so much effort into being liked and getting this and filters and this. How much time filtering? How much time getting the right picture? How much time, time, time? Also, you can get some likes and how often you check it and ding, ding, you get a dopamine rush and ding, ding. Have you seen how people like things? They just like, 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 they don't like it. They're just scrolling and liking it so that you'll like their stuff later. Do you realize that? They don't even know you. 
But that's where we, we're all got to be known, got to be liked, thousand likes, thousand. Fame is a lousy God. It's just a lousy God. And it, look at those people who used to be famous and how they're 80 years old and they're just trying to stay relevant like they were back in the whenever. Look at the Rolling Stones. Someone tell them to retire. <laughs> they look so bad. They're just trying to stay relevant. Got to stay, right? Like it was because fame is a, is a lousy God. Approval, stuff, covetousness, Paul says, is idolatry right? Exercise and hobbies. I love exercising. There's nothing wrong with it. You should exercise. Some of you should exercise. It's good for you. Hobbies are fun. Golf's great. None of you are going to make the PGA Tour. Stop spending so much money on it, right? Exercise. Think of it. You don't think exercise is a God? Some of you pay $40 to ride a bike in your living room every month, Peloton people. That's you. You're not riding in the mountains. You're not in the Boulder, Colorado. You are in Savannah, Georgia, in your house. Just know it. Some of you are spending $80 on a t-shirt so that you can have your Lululemon workout shirt. Fine, wear your Lululemon. It's no different than my Hanes, I can promise you. Wear it, I don't care. But don't tell me that it's not a God sometimes. Some of you are part of this club, CrossFit people. I ain't gonna call you out, but I'm gonna call you out. It's a, it's a borderline cult, y'all. It is a borderline cult. It's the church and then CrossFit. I mean, that's what it is. And, and the point is this. These are all good things given by God when they are not worshiped. They are meant for you to worship God through them, not worship God instead. I mean, worship them instead of God. Because the application here is not just Christians go live, you know, just never go fishing, never play golf, just be miserable. That's not the application. God gives good gifts for us to enjoy him. Him. If you want to know what your idol is, just ask, what is the one thing I cannot live without? And if life is not worth it, if I'm not X, if I can't be a tried out, then I don't want to do anything. If I don't get into Georgia... If I can't be this, if I don't look like this, if I don't get that, then you're, then you're in the right fishing pond right there. What do you cherish most? What do you, here's a, here's a way to tell what your idols. What do you notice about other people first? Man, that's a great boat. You probably have a boat idol, right? That person looks great. Maybe it's an image idol, I don't know. But those are some ways to tell. Ask, where do you go for comfort, Food is a horrible idol, but it's an idol all, all together because some of you, that's where you run when you're sad, depressed. We're gonna, we're gonna 11 o'clock at night order Papa John's and eat five pizzas and drink the you know, garlic sauce because it's an idol. It is a twisted one. Food's good. God gives it. We need it, but it becomes that, Right? Where do you go for identification? I'm part of this group. I gotta be this. I've got even a church. You can ha- you can use CBC as an idol. I'm a part of CBC, and our church is better than you. Anything can be if it, you find your identity there, your security there, your purpose there. It has become an idol, right? It's become an idol. And so, what's the goal? Real quick, here's here's the why this is here's the why of this is significant. Three quick words to think through. I'm not gonna unpack them. You can think through them. Compete, cost, and crush. You can only have one affection, and when you have two, they compete. Jesus says you can't love money and serve money and me. How do you serve money? I mean, think about that statement. Oh, Mr. Abraham Lincoln, 
please give me more of you. You know, I mean, I, no, because your affection is for money and not him. He says, you can't have it. That is called in the Old Testament language, adultery. Adultery. The greatest command, love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Cost. It will cost you. And we've unpacked this. It'll cost you. Whatever it is. Maybe the cost is not necessarily bad. But if you want to look like you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, it's going to cost you hours every day. It's just going to. Right? If, you're going to, if you want to be you know, the, the most successful CEO in history, you're going to be living in a huge old mansion and there's not going to be anybody in here. Your kids are going to be gone and your wife's going to be gone. Right? Because it can cost your family. Right? So just understand the cost. And what I mean by crush is two things. You're going to be crushed when you realize that your idol doesn't hold up because it's an empty, it's an, it's an empty pit you can keep throwing it into. Right? Guess, guess what? You're going to become the CEO. Yes! And when you're 75, they're going to say, here's a nice watch. Get out of the way. You're going to become the project manager and the most successful person in that place. And blah, blah. Guess what? They're going to hire someone who's going to work for a third of your money with an MBA and say, thank you for your service. Go home and go to Tybee. Right? That, that club that you wanted to be part of, that fraternity, that school, in 25 years, no one cares. They don't care. They just don't. Trust me, I know. I'm part of a club, the Citadel, right? We all thought, oh, it was the most important thing. No one cares anymore. Right? No one cares. It, you'll be crushed, ultimately, in the end, right? Um, they're going to hand the job to someone else. Your kids, they're not going to care about the, the coffee table that you bought at the antique shop, and it was so good, and you should see 1700s, blah, blah, blah. They don't care. It's going to Goodwill. Or it's going to be on the Antiques Roadshow, and the guy's going to be like, it's worth $1,000. I'll give you, give me $100. I'll take it right now. Right, that's where it's going. You'll be crushed. And you will actually crush the object you're worshiping because nobody outside of the triune God can carry the weight of glory that worship brings. That's the whole idea of glory is weightiness. And you try to put that on a girlfriend, it'll crush her because eventually no one can hold up to the expectations that only God can. And here's what happens. We end up despising the very thing that we actually loved This is why on Sunday mornings, y'all hate UGA football sometimes. Sometimes you love it. Sometimes you hate, I can't stand Kirby Smart. I don't want to fire him, buy him out, right? Because that which you love in one moment, when it lets you down, you despise it. That car that was so shiny and now it's not new anymore because it doesn't have the moonroof that I can speak. Open moonroof and now I have to hit the button and these people get to just open and it opens. I can't believe it. I don't even know if that's an option, but that would be cool. So you'll crush that which you're trying to worship, especially if it's a person. And this is why celebrities lose their minds because they've been worshiped in their object of worship. And this is why they're all jerks, except for a select few that don't buy their, read their own mail, right? Because they just believe it and it just crushes them and they act like crazy people. All right, so here's the how. Here's the how. That's the next thing. Oh, I wanted to read this. This is a great verse from Jeremiah. You could take this, maybe think about it this week. This is what God says to the people of Israel through Jeremiah. He says, be appalled. Be appalled, heavens, at this. He's talking to creation. Shocked, utterly desolate, declares the Lord. Why? Because my people, those created in my image, the nation I've chosen and rescued, Red Sea, blah, 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 blah. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewed out for themselves cisterns broken. They can hold no water. He said, I chose them. I gave them everything. I am living water. And they've made little Tupperware that can't even hold together and hold anything. 
That's what idolatry is. That's why it's affections. Can't compete. That's why it's offensive. That's why he lands. Keep yourself. So here's the how. And actually for the how, I have a video. I don't do videos a lot, but this is worth it. Because number one, it's one of the greatest movies of all time. Uh, two, but it teaches the idea. So let me show the clip. This is from, some people ask me after first service, what movie is that from? I'm like, are you even, are you even a believer? You don't even know this movie? But this is from the movie, uh, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. So I'm going to click it up. Leaving everything to him. What about this ring of yours? Is that staying too? Yes, yes. Say an envelope over there on the mantelpiece. No. Wait, it's... Here in my pocket. <laughs> isn't that... Isn't that odd now? Yeah. After all, why not? Why should I keep it? I think you should leave the ring behind, Well, Is that so hard? Well, no. with it. It's mine. I found it. It came to me. There's no need to get angry. Well, if I'm angry, it's your fault. It's mine. My own. My precious. Precious? It's been called that before, but not by you. Oh, my business isn't of yours when I do with my own things. I think you've had that ring quite long enough. You want it for yourself. Bravo, Baggins! Do not take me for some conjurer of cheap tricks. I am not trying to rob you. I'm trying to help you. Great scene from a great movie, isn't it? Uh, the idea there, I mean, you see Bilbo just, why shouldn't I, why should I give it up? And here's Gandalf saying, I think it's time, I think it's time. He's like, no, no, no. And, and at a certain point, Gandalf, I don't know what they did, how they did it, cinematography, whatever, but he just seems to grow, doesn't he? And he just shows a little bit of a fraction of his power. And in that moment, Bilbo realizes, no, he runs to him and he hugs him. And I love the tenderness. He's like, I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. Just let it go. And I think for us, the solution, I think when we identify our sin and our idols, often we focus on that, we focus on that, we focus on that. And certainly Paul says, flee idolatry. And in another place, uh, he, he talks about putting to death idolatry. So there's, there's that aspect. But how do we do that? I don't think it's to manage my money. And I don't think it's, oh, I have to fight this relationship. I have to fight. I think that the solution is to recognize the one who has flexed a little bit. Just to look at him and his power and look at him who it says, we know we are from God. The whole world lies in the power of the evil one. But we know that the son of God has come, has given us understanding so we may know him who is true. We are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. It's for you to look upon the true God. And see him 
for who he is a little bit. Just let him flex a little bit. And in that moment, you will run from this little piddly ring into the arms of a loving God. It's, it's to worship Christ. In fact, the last that you may know. What's the ultimate goal of this book? That you may know Jesus, the one true God, the true eternal life. And that because you know him, you will keep yourself from idols. It's to walk with him. It's to see him. I went out last night. I was thinking about this sermon as I do on Saturday evenings. And I let the dogs out and I looked up and it was a clear, crystal clear sky. I don't know if any of you saw it last night. And I could see through the trees. I only know two constellations, Big Dipper and I know Orion's belt, right? Because I can see the three lines. I'm like, oh, there's the belt. I don't actually know which way the arrow is pointing, but I know that's Orion but I could see it so vividly and clearly. And I thought, this is God flexing just a smidge saying, he is the image of the invisible God. By him, through him, and for him are all things. He is the one who God spoke creation through. This is your God. Are you gonna go worship your Tahoe? Have fun with that. You're gonna go worship UGA with their losses? Have fun with that. You're gonna worship Freedom and liberty in the United States, as much as I love those things, have fun with that. Right? There's only one God and there's only one who can carry the weight of your worship and that is Jesus. Let him flex a little bit. Turn to him, run to him and let it go. Bilbo, let it go. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for uh, this book and this truth and I pray that we would grasp the truth of it, that we would keep ourselves from idols, that we would find our identity and our security and our purpose in Christ and Christ alone. It's for his name and for his glory and for his reputation, I pray. Amen. Why don't you guys stand and we'll sing for a few moments. And if this moment of worship...